Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. For over 10 years, Shane Hurricane Helms has been a pioneer in the podcast game. And now, the Creative Control Network proudly brings to you the record-breaking, history-making, longest-reigning, most entertaining, cruiserweight champion of all time, Shane Hurricane Helms and the Highway to Helms podcast. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever your favorite podcast may be, you'll find me, Shane Hurricane Helms. And if you don't know, Google me. Biatch! Uh, the next one's from uh, the Mike Durbin Show, I guess. Well, the subject is the Mike Durbin Show. Um, K100 Crew, the latest buzz in the wrestling podcast world has been the noticeable absence of new content for the Mike Durbin Show. Okay, that's fake news right off the bat because I don't believe that it's in any way, fact, or shape that would buzz. qualify as buzz. <laughs> Red- Reddit, Facebook, and even Mike Durbin's personal grinder account have been flooded with comments regarding this blatant lack of effort or show and lack of any new episodes. It should also be known that besides an episode which featured Disco that showed signs of life a few weeks back, his most recent episodes featured the usual Guns N' Roses album reviews, mm. a dating tips episode, and the ever-boring Shane Helms talking about comics, action heroes, or something. <laughs> Seems Mike Durbin threw in the stone of the towel and given up on his podcast dreams. Question, what does K100 Crew have for Mike Durbin that could help him salvage his show? That's Derek from Virginia. Let me tell you, I actually did a show with Mike Durbin and Joe Feeney on Led Zeppelin. So if you like Led Zeppelin or you don't know that much about him, check that show out. And uh, he told me that he was doing a show once a month, quality over quantity. And I actually gave him tips and he didn't listen to them. So he can stay unemployed for all I care. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. He was like, I do a show. It's like 30 minutes. I go, okay, we'll add an extra f- uh, 10 minutes and cut it up into 10 minute shows. And you have one every fucking week. You know, but don't bring one every month. What he found was that he liked being a guest with Vince or being a guest talking music with us or, or on my show or whatever more than he likes hosting and producing the show. Okay, it's just then, my, my theory. He shouldn't be hosting him. He is the host of a popular YouTube series now called Get My Go. It's on the Whoa, whoa, whoa. Go. What happened? What's the matter? Time out. Absolutely not popular. Hang on. I met this lady, I told her quite a story, said I love her forevermore. But the trouble is I tell the same old story to every girl that walks through the door. This is the Slickster talking at you, buddy. Yeah! Well, at first they love me, and then they don't. Sometimes they do it, sometimes they don't. So I said to this girl, hey, you look out. And she got to her feet and began to shout, you got so broke. Oh, beautiful, man. Welcome to the Mike Durban Show, episode number 53. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for that podcasting advice, Conan, but I will not be following it. 
I will continue to release just one or two shows a month. That's it. I'm having way too much fun working on the other show that I'm on. It's called Get My Go. Uh, I'm the co-host along with Joe Feeney and Hughesley. Uh, I didn't make up that name. Some fucking goof named Johnny Podcasting says, Get My Go. He, he gets my go, this kid, man. He gets my go. Which is a made-up phrase. So we decided to name the show after that. It's only on YouTube. Please subscribe so we can get to 100 subscribers so I can make a custom URL. Basically, Get My Go is just a wrestling with reality, Johnny Podcasting, listen-along show. We review it. We mock it. We parody it. It's fucking amazing. Check it out. And no, Johnny Podcasting and Brother Martin, we will not be stopping it anytime soon. Sorry. If you can't find it by searching Get My Go in YouTube, just go to my Twitter page and the link should be in my bio. On Twitter, I am at Mike Durband, D-U-R-B-A-N-D. Instagram, Mike Durband Show. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Michael Durband. All right, on this show, I have a very special guest, my good friend, Mr. Rich Davis from the Covino and Rich Show and ESPN's Now or Never. I had his life partner, I mean, his radio partner, Steve Covino, on a few episodes ago. That was a tremendous interview. Check that out if you haven't heard it. This episode, I got Rich Davis. Now, Rich, Rich and I were both obsessed with WWF wrestling when we were kids. We got into it around the same age. The same time period. That is the best age of wrestling, in our opinion. So that's all we talked about in this interview is wrestling. Nothing more. Rich is a professional radio broadcaster. He's been doing it almost two decades now. He's had the Cavino and Rich show with Steve Cavino for about 15 years now. If you're a man between the ages of 25 and 49, you know, that all-important AEW demo that they talk about, you need to listen to this show. If you have SiriusXM check out Covino and Rich. If you don't have SiriusXM, they also have a podcast every week. It's called the Covino and Rich Podcast. It's on all major podcast platforms. It's basically the best of the radio show in podcast form. So you can get that for free. So I, I urge you all, check it out, please. And watch them on ESPN's Now or Never. Right now it's only on Instagram and YouTube because of COVID, but they are returning to ESPN nightly in a couple weeks so check that out too now or never if you're a Kavino and Rich listener and you don't normally listen to my show but you're checking this one out because Rich is on it thank you very much uh, if you like what you hear please subscribe I would appreciate it thank you alright let's get to my interview with Rich Davis but first some words from my sponsors this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew guys do you remember the days when you were always ready to go now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Go to BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, 
so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, there's a special deal for the listeners of the Mike Durban Show. Just go over to bluechew.com, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code, DURBAND, D-U-R-B-A-N-D. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code DURBAND to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Mike Durban Show. Do you want to go behind the scenes at World Championship Wrestling and find out what really happened from one of the greatest minds in the history of the business? The infamous booker behind WCW's success with the New World Order other podcasts weren't there let's clean up the fantasy bullshit give you real facts and real stories with the taskmaster himself yes this is taskmaster talks with kevin sullivan available on the creative control network So we're just going to talk wrestling, just so you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm, I'm in, yeah. Yeah. So what's your earliest memory of watching wrestling? My earliest memory of watching wrestling is making sure every Saturday and Sunday I was in front of that TV for Saturday and Sunday morning wrestling. Like I remember going to Nassau Coliseum on Long Island for every live event that came there. I was a huge WWF, you know, now WWE fan back then. I was hardcore dude like i had wwf magazine yeah i had all the action figures the wrestling buddies but saturday morning to me it was all about saved by the bell and then wrestling and then american gladiators and then sunday i even remember the announcer saturday morning was jesse the body and vince mcmahon sunday morning was gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain Heenan. like it was they had the, the teams on saturday and sunday morning yep. and saturday night's main event might have been the thing that got me most excited as a young kid. Be- before I discovered women and going out with my friends, nothing excited me more than knowing that there was a Saturday night main event on NBC and you were going to get to watch extra wrestling on Saturday night. So I was hardcore back then, man. Yeah. So you said you went to Nassau Coliseum a lot. That's a, a legendary arena. Was it just the untelevised house shows that you went to? Yeah. You know, it would be crazy because when I was a young kid, when I tell you, Mike, like, you know, I was so into it where I didn't have cable as a kid, but yeah. we had a neighbor who did. And I would give my neighbor VHS tapes and I'd say, can you please tape Madison Square Garden? MSG 
would air those random cards from the garden, but also places like the, at the time, like up in Boston, they, they would air these random cards and I would get my hands on those mm. and Nassau Coliseum. Uh, anytime there was a card at Nassau Coliseum, I would beg my mom to take me. And I went every single time. It was like, my mom was into it. And so was my dad. So uh, they were cool with bringing me. In fact, for my sixth grade birthday party, 1991, my mom let me take three friends and we got to sit first row at Nassau Coliseum. Oh, wow. And uh, I remember the, do you remember the wrestling tag team, the Orient Express? Yep. The, a name that would not fly in, in 2020. <laughs> yeah, 2020, the Orient Express uh, <laughs> might not be politically correct. But I remember all my dumb friends, we we're all 12. We all just kept yelling at, if you remember, Tanaka. Yep. We were all like, Tanaka, Tanaka. And he finally turned around and a bunch of 12 year olds were like, F you. And I, and I remember loving going to those cards, man. That was my favorite memories. Nessa yeah. Coliseum, by the way, to answer your question, they were the cards that were never televised. So sometimes there would be a title change. If you remember back then, there would be a title change. And then they would, the next night, it would change back. So by the time wrestling happened on Saturday, no one knew the difference. Yeah. So how many of those did you go to? Oh, without a doubt. I, one day, I have to go through some old boxes, but I remember every time it came to the Nassau Coliseum, at least a few times a year for a good wow. long time in my life, I remember that you would get the program and in the program, there was a one sheet, like yep. a white, like a, almost like a white piece of paper and it would have the card that day. And you know, the first few matches were always like crappy, like Don Morocco versus Coco Beware, like, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah. stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I remember loving that. Was Hogan on a lot of those shows or was he, uh, or would they get like the B card for Nassau Coliseum? You know, it's funny when Hogan went there, it was a very special occasion. You're right about that. You remember correctly. The, it was a lot of the, you know, you might get Macho Man or Tito Santana, or, you know, it might be like the main event, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus uh, big boss man or something. But yeah. Hogan was very Madison square garden. That's what made the garden special. If you ever got a chance to do that, but, where I grew up on the East Coast, wrestling came to uh, Meadowlands Arena, which is now what, Continental Airlines? I think it's something even else now. But it was Jersey, Long Island, and the Garden in New York City. Those are the, those are the venues for old school wrestling. Did Top Jimmy watch wrestling too? Or did, was, brother, or did he watch it because you made him watch it? My brother... You like to, you like to control the, the channel when you were a kid. I know that. When I was a kid, I controlled everything. In fact, he was the recipient of Perfect Plexes, DDTs, yes. Uh, he, I, I mean, poor Jimmy, I, I dropped big elbows off the top rope, macho man style. Yeah. I, uh, I gave him shake, rattle and rolls, honky tonk man style. I mean, poor Jimmy, his legs must hurt today from all the figure four leg locks and sharpshooters I put him in. But my brother liked the corniest wrestlers and I'll always make fun of him to this day. Now you might agree with him, but Shawn Michaels is dope. Yeah, but the rockers were not. My brother loved the rockers, and I'm like, "Who <laughs> likes the rockers?" I was like, "Really?" Shawn Michaels became cool, but him yeah. and Marty Jannetty, they were like almost they were they bordered on like jobber tag team where they would lose to like demolition. <laughs> uh, so you said you took your friends to one of the cards. Did you have a lot of friends that watched wrestling back in the day? I only had one. Shout out to Dean Papadopoulos. He was my only wrestling friend back then. Who did you have? That's great. I love Dean Papadopoulos. Sounds like a, a fictional guy from like a TV show. <laughs> What's up, Dean Papadopoulos? Uh, my friend Walter was my best wrestling friend, who is yeah. one of my best friends till today. Uh, he was in my wedding. Him and I 
watch so much wrestling. My buddy Jeff's a big wrestling fan, but just the other day, like he has WWE Network, so every so often he'll send me a screenshot and he'll like you know make a reference to something that wouldn't fly now. He's like, yeah, junkyard dog, uh, an African American guy with chains around his neck. Uh-huh. Nope. Or he'll send me something like. Hey, uh, the million dollar man buying Sapphire. Nope. Like you know, He'll send me like politically incorrect things saying, how did this fly back then? But Walter, huge wrestling fan. He loved honky tonk man more than anything to the point where at one juncture, he reached out and actually talked to Wayne Ferris, the honky tonk man on the phone. Like he reached out and like sort of friended him. Like, yeah. So yeah, we loved wrestling together. We used to listen to Adelphi Long Island radio. They had a Saturday morning wrestling show, and we used to uh, go that far where we'd listen to like wrestling gossip back then. Mm. So you didn't have cable when you were a kid, so you no. probably never got to watch primetime wrestling then, right? Dude, I was so jealous when Walter and some of my other friends would talk about Lord Alfred Hayes and all the old yeah. primetime wrestlings and Bobby Heenan sitting at like a what looked like a late night talk show desk. Like, yeah, I do feel like I missed out on that. And you know what? Mike, because you do such a great job here and now you got me reminiscing, I actually think it's about time I get the WWE Network. Yes. Not only to not only to explore the new stuff and maybe get back into it, but I got to watch some of that old stuff, man, because it, it, it'll fire you up, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I got it. I've had it since the first day it came out and I rarely watch the new stuff. I always watch the old stuff. I'll watch the old 80s stuff and then I'm right now yeah. I'm watching the uh, Monday Night War stuff over again, so... Dude, it's nine ninety nine a month. It's it's priceless, man. I would pay double yeah. for it. It's so good. It's got everything. Everything you could ever want is on there. So yeah, you know what I would what it. I would probably do. I would probably try to think of my favorite random wrestling moments and find them and relive them and and hope they're half as good as I remember them. Like there's one match that comes to mind that I thought was so freaking cool. It was a Saturday night's main event, and this was after. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff totally blindsided the Hulkster, held up his arm and clotheslined him. And then they had a steel cage match on Saturday night's main event. And the whole gimmick was that they dropped from the cage at the same exact second. And I remember always thinking, what trust Vince McMahon had in Paul Orndorff? Because if Paul Orndorff dropped before him, you can't fake that. And then all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan just lost on Saturday night's main event. So yeah. Paul Orndorff doesn't get enough credit because he could have totally messed up wrestling. Yep. Uh, the pay-per-views back then, did you get to watch those? or Early, I would say like WrestleMania 1 and 2. I remember having, Mike, it's so funny because I could picture the, the VHS tapes in my mom's house. Like there was a place in my hometown, Hollywood, USA. Mm. And the owner knew I was a huge wrestling fan. So he would tape the, the, the early WrestleManias. I think one, two, and three I had on VHS, which, may, you know, I remember now my mom the next week would get him and I would watch him. Yeah. But after that, my buddy Phil, mm. Phil's dad, rented every wrestling pay-per-view, every Tyson fight, every, you name it. He, and they had the Playboy channel. So when we had sleepover parties, like all the, oh. all the boys would be like, Let's go to Phil's. He's got the Playboy channel. So shout out to Phil because without Phil, there would have been no Playboy channel for us, you know, young teenagers to look at every big boxing event and every big wrestling event. I remember getting upset when the Ultimate Warrior beat Hulk Hogan. I was actually, I was, I remember genuinely being like bummed about it because while everyone did love the Ultimate Warrior, it like hurt my young kid feelings when the Hulkster lost. Yeah. 
Uh, Cavino always rips on you for um, for the album Pile Driver. No, well, yeah. <laughs> well, well, musically, he, musically, he always mentions Pile Driver. Yep. He did it. He, you know, uh, last week he brought it up again, and um, I love that album. I have it on vinyl. It, we it, all it, did, Mike. Yeah, we it's all tremendous. did. Any, anyone, anyone, any, any kid like you or I that was a cool, fun kid like you or I had Pile Driver on album. Let me take you through, Mike. Let, let's 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 go through the track listing because. Kavino doesn't realize. I have it right here. I have the track listing. Girls in Cars, the Strike Force song. Fantastic. <laughs> girls in Cars, yeah. Girls in Cars. Then Coco Beware sang Pal Driver, which was sort of a shitty song, but Honky Tonk Man's theme, awesome. Yeah. Demolition. Oh, Demolition is one of the best. One of the best by Derringer, who, by the way, didn't Derringer also sing I Am a Real American? Yep. So. Let's talk about a guy that's got some like niche hits. Like he he mastered the wrestling song. Uh, Jimmy Hart had a song "Jive Soul Bro" by Slick. Great song. I love when you always uh, do "Jive Soul Bro" on the show, man. I fucking love it's it. It's fantastic. It's a great song. Vince McMahon did "Stand Back." Yep. Stand back. And that was the first time you heard Vince use his uh, like raspy voice, like "Stand Back." Yep. Uh, mean Gene, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Listen, it was a fun album. Yeah, I, I think the wrestling songs. F Cavino, man. I think it's yeah. fun stuff from our childhood. The best one is If You Only Knew, which is the final track on Pile Driver. It's got everybody on it. If you only knew what I'm gonna do to you, well, you'll be running so fast as two feet could carry you. Your destiny belongs to me. I listen, that's so you know what? It, it's embarrassing how Cavino would make fun of me so bad if he knew I knew all those songs. Yeah. So, when did, when did you start phasing out of wrestling? You know, um, I was part of the NWO love. Like when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 97. Mm -hmm. And in the mid 90s was when the Hulkster went to WCW. Yeah. Did the NWO thing. You know, I I think around then, I think I would say like, uh, I'll I'll give you, I know exactly how. WrestleMania 9, I know was the outdoor one where Yokozuna won, but then Hogan had the, like that cheap crappy victory where he pinned him at the end because they, yeah. they wanted to give Hogan the title, I guess. Yeah. That was the last WrestleMania that Hogan was in. And that was the last one that I watched closely. I watched 10. Mm. I remember 18 was the rock and Hogan. Cause I remember watching that and actually renting that pay-per-view. So I zoned out in the teens for WWE. And that's sort of when I went to WCW for a while. Mm-hmm. And I'd, I'd say late nineties, end of high school, beginning of college, radio, girlfriends, other stuff took over, and I never really got back into it. But I'll, I'd watch a, a WrestleMania here or there if one of my friends rented the pay-per-view when I was at their house. But I'd say late 90s, I sort of dipped away. Yeah, I stopped before that. I was out like right after WrestleMania 7, I think. The Sergeant Slaughter Hogan thing. You know, but, yeah, same the, thing. The, the, you you just you yeah. discover girls, you know, sports. I mean, that takes priority. Yeah. So I just stopped. I dropped wrestling completely. I didn't even watch it. What got me back in though, nineteen ninety six. Somehow I heard that Hulk Hogan turned bad. Yep. Hulk Hogan became a bad guy. Like something you never thought would happen. What, what do you remember? Like, how did you hear about it? I remember thinking, like, mm, well, Hogan's in the WCW. Is this going to be lame? Because the reality was people were sick of the same storyline. I, I remember thinking, all right, here he is in the WCW. I remember him coming down to the ring and he couldn't use real American. So he used yeah. that corny, like alternate version, like, yeah. like, it's like American man or beat or something <laughs> like that. 
and it, it, it was like you know of course they try to make it sound as much like real american without yeah. copywriting it so i was like oh this is corny i'm like i don't know if i could buy into hogan as a good guy for a long time but i'm like yeah we'll see what happens maybe he'll fight all those random wcw guys that he's never seen before when he turned bad i was like what are they doing the minute he came out with the black pants on and like the lightning bolt looking look and the black beard i i bought it and i was like yo this is the coolest shit i've ever seen in my life yeah. i was so excited when he spray painted nwo and he's like i did it all for the money i hate everyone it was it was the best heel turn in the history of sports and and wrestling yeah so that was during your college years like were you watching regularly like the monday night wars nitro and raw the monday night wars i was like back and forth on meaning like i wasn't watching every week but if i did watch i was watching wcw so i was i was part of the ratings of why wcw prevailed because at that point anyone that grew up in our generation nostalgia right and then you start saying you know they got bobby heenan tony Schiavone, jimmy hart ultimate warrior macho man all those guys at that point had gravitated over there razor ramon was back as scott hall and I, and I couldn't buy into the whole new D-Generation X suck it thing. Like, I, I never connected to that even a little bit. Yeah. And to me, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, but from my fan perspective, all the guys that WWF then leaned on, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, those guys, I, I thought those guys in my mind were intercontinental champions. I feel like in my mind, they took guys that weren't like the big stars and made them the big stars. Like in my mind... Hulk Hogan's a champion. Undertaker's a champion. Ric Flair's a champion. Those are the big guys. I, I can never buy Like To me, it's like Bret Hart was part of the Hart Foundation. I, as much as I respect him, and I know he's great, he was a great wrestler, I don't know. I can never buy into the fact that he was the heavyweight champion. Like I don't know. To me, he's like him and Jim, Jim the Anvil were a tag team. How good yeah. could he be? So we're going to fast forward a few years. You guys start Cavino and Rich in 2005. You guys have had so many uh, legendary wrestlers on the show. Do you remember like who the first few were? I remember early on, and it's it's sad because he just passed away. I remember Kamala was on our show, mm-hmm. and we actually have a Kamala action figure somewhere. I, I don't know if there's value in that or if it's just a great little memory piece. But in our archives, there's a box in the Kavino Rich and Spot office that has a Kamala action figure where he signed the box. He came into the studio with Paul Bearer. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were promoting something together. So, oh, yes, my <laughs> Undertaker. Paul Bearer, uh, what a great character he was, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah he, was, uh, he was great. I remember those guys. It was sort of cool when, I mean, there's no second to the Hulkster as far as meeting him for the first time because he's so, so larger than life. The simple fact that the Hulkster has been on our show many times and knows us, yeah. that's pretty crazy to me. I mean, he was my childhood hero. It was like, for me, it was Hulk Hogan, Joe Montana, and like the Mets. And the fact that Hulk Hogan, I was at his house. That's insane. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Um, but do you, remember, <laughs> do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember the first time you met Hogan? Like he walks in, what happened? Do you do you turn into a little kid at that point? Yeah, listen, there's a, there's, there's a few people, no matter how long you do what Kavino and I do there's certain people that when they walk in the building people linger right people pretend they they need to be somewhere they're not because they want to pass him it's it's a very odd thing at Sirius XM right yep. it's Hulk Hogan walks out the elevator and he's in the lobby every single person 
at that time, you know, maybe 10 years ago, that was between the ages of 20-something and 40-something, we're, we're all thinking the same thing. Like, yo, that's freaking Hulk Hogan. How do I, I want to say hi, can I get a picture? It's yeah. the Hulkster. So it, it is a it is a pretty cool moment. And when he came back on the show the second time, I think when he's like, oh, hey, what's up, Camino and Rich, hey, brothers. Like, it's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. he knows who we are. Like, that's bananas to me, you know? So, yeah, you mentioned you've been to his house. How did that happen? So, Brooke Hogan and Nick Hogan, the, the, the kids, when they were doing Hogan's Knows Best, they'd came, come by the show. And this is when Linda and Hulk were still together. This is a long time ago. They really took a liking to Kavino and I. It was clear that Brooke thought I was cute or something. And, you know, Brooke would flirt with me. Yeah. And Nick was always a great dude to me. So, I was down in Miami for a Kavino and Rich event. And that's where they live. They're, they lived down there. They had a place in Miami at the time. You know, they also had a place in Tampa. And they were like, hey, let's meet out for lunch. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And I had lunch with Linda, Brooke, and Nick. And it was just crazy because they were talking about Hogan Knows Best. At one point, they were like, hey, maybe you should be on the show as like one of, like a, a love interest for Brooke. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You know, was, I had a girlfriend at the time. Yeah. And I went back to their house. I went back to... Hulk Hogan's house. And I remember they were like, I, I just, I'm thinking to myself, this is the Hulkster's house. And there he is. He's like, Hey brother, what's going on? And you know, they showed me around that I was hanging and talking to Nick and Brooke. And you know, that was a long time ago, but they were all so nice to me. I was really sad when that family sort of broke up because you know, I'm sure there were issues going on, but they were always so cool, man. It was, I always tell the funny story when they, when they gave me the little tour of the house, mm-hmm. Andre had been, uh, not Andre, the big show had been staying at their place. And they showed me the guest bedroom and they're like, and the big show staying in here. And they had a special bed for the big show because he's so damn huge wow. that I was like, what is that? It was like, it was like, picture your king size bed. And it was t- like two times the size. I was like, what is that? Wow. So yeah. did he, did he have any memorabilia up on the walls or in the office or anything? I think I saw a few pieces here and there of just some of his old school stuff. But I remember he did in like one of the guest rooms, there was a, in a closet when they were showing me around. It was a, just a row of like yellow and red stuff. Like clearly it was his wow. work closet. I'm like, this is, this is insane. So uh, yeah, man, they were, they were always so cool to us. Yeah. Somebody else that you got the uh, invite to their house or to their ranch, Steve Austin invited you guys to stop by his ranch in Texas. We totally failed there, Mike. Cavino uh, and I are the worst at following up when people give genuine invites. Like, I don't know if it's because we're nervous or we or we wonder, well, do they really mean it? But we clicked with Stone Cold. He was yeah. great to us. And he knew he found that my wife, Sarah, is from New Braunfels, which is right near San Antonio, sort of where Stone Cold has a place. So My fiance is from San Antonio. Oh, so right I've, I've grown up in New York my whole life. So when I go see your family and everything, they're hunting, making their own jerky. She took me to, is there a store, Academy? Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never fucking seen place. this. Yeah. I go in there, and Kavino, this place Academy, all this is camo and guns, and I'm like, where the fuck am I? She's like, you're such a, you know, she makes fun of me being a city boy. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm I'm anxious to actually, I think her, her family wants to take me hunting for the first time. Dude, if you get down to South Texas, you need to come to my place. I'm 90 miles south of San Antonio. You've got an invite. I Thank don't you. invite anybody. If you want to come down, I'll show you what South Texas is like. And it's not hooping, hollering, drinking beer, shooting guns, and acting like an idiot. We're very safe with what we do. It's all it's all con- conservation. We're trying to uh, grow big deer, and uh, we're responsible human beings. Say, you know what? I'm going to take that invite spot. I think I'm going to go shoot with Stone Cold in South Texas. 
I wish I could turn back the clock and take them up on that because why? That would have only been an amazing story that I totally failed on. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching the video and he looked genuine. Like he wasn't just you know Stone Cold's not a Hollywood bullshit guy. Like he really gave you guys an honest invitation. So I was like, oh, I know they're not going to go, but man. Oh. So I could have I could have went hunt I could have cracked a beer open with Stone Cold. What a yeah. fail! Oh, mm. I'm such a failure. <laughs> so um, around I think it was around 2012 or 13. I remember you kind of got back into it. Like CM Punk was the was the main guy back then. Um, was Sarah into it first, and then she got you to watch? Sarah, Sarah and I started watching again. We started watching again for a, a brief minute. I, it didn't last very long. Yeah. I got into it and we started. We watched a few weeks in a row, and for some reason, I, I tried so hard. It's like you know when you try to watch a Netflix show, and after a couple episodes, you're like, "I'm just forcing myself to watch this." Yep. I felt like I was forcing myself to watch it. I watched one WrestleMania, and I was like, "That yeah, was good," but I didn't have the same passion I used to have. I mean, the way you, the way Mike, you hear me talk about football and gambling on football and the 49ers and the Mets, like I was even more so a fan of wrestling when I was a kid. So yeah. I just couldn't, I couldn't replicate that love. I just couldn't. Yeah, And you know um, what? It's crazy because there is a part of me, you know, I've never actually talked about this. There's a part of me that regrets it. I'll tell you why. Because I feel like there could have been a world in which I worked in the wrestling industry, not yeah. as a wrestler, yeah. but I, I, I had such a, when I say I had such a love for wrestling, I've just, I, I mean, you could hit, you could tell just from some of the references I made. I used to know my shit, you know? Yeah. Yep. I always wonder if I would have stuck with it. Listen, I know Sam Roberts is involved in the wrestling world, right? Our friend Kathy Kelly was involved with WWE. Charlie mm -hmm. Caruso, who we work with on Now and Ever, the wrestling world. One of my exes and one of our friends, Jen Sturger, is involved with AEW. You know, like, I have plenty of people I know that are in that world. Yep. That it, it, I do wonder sometimes, like, hey, you know what? What if I was the radio guy but also still loved wrestling? Maybe instead of ESPN or SNY. Hey, maybe I maybe I would have been that guy that went the wrestling route. It's possible. I, I was way into it. Yeah, I've always thought you would have really succeeded if you went into that uh, area. It's not. It's not too late. Maybe. I'll, maybe no, I'll it's not in. too late. They do. <laughs> they go. They go through. Um, yeah. their backstage interviewers and and they go through them so quickly that they're yeah. always hiring for that role. Like just today, it was announced Renee Young. Have you ever heard of her? No. Uh, you you may recognize her. She's done. She's yeah, done some are. ESPN stuff. I think. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I know who that is. Okay. Yeah, so it's just yeah. announced today that she's leaving um, next month. So yeah, they're always looking for on-air talent. So yeah, it's never yeah. too late, man. And you know what the uh, the guy that just took over WWE from CAA, the uh, the talent agency, the guy that's going to be running WWE with Vince McMahon, is uh, is a guy that were, was the boss of Mean Cavino's agent at CAA. So hey, maybe I have a wrestling connection after all. Yeah, I asked Cavino this when he was on, but um. WrestleMania next year was supposed to be in LA. You know, who knows if that'll happen or not, but let's say it does happen. Um, would you guys do the, the radio row thing that they have? 100%. If it was in LA, I think it would be foolish not to, even, yeah. even, even if it meant us brushing up on current day wrestlers, like they offer us wrestlers on now or never. And once in a while on ESPN, we will have a wrestler and I have to do a little homework, but listen, it's uh it's definitely part of the sports entertainment culture. So to ignore wrestling is foolish, you know, like, even when we have Chris Jericho on, I'm not a wrestling guy, and I know AEW is still second dog to WWE, but still, I like him a lot. He's been great to us, so Jericho's a good dude. Yeah. So you mentioned your ex, Jen Sturger. She's one yeah. of the backstage interviewers at AEW. Um, have you checked out their product at all? 
You know, a little bit. I I do know that they have some hype. I, I watch a little bit, cause, and I'll watch her videos on social media to support her and stuff like that as a friend. And um, I think they got something cool going on. I will say that usually, I think it's been since those WWE, WCW wars, the Monday Night Wars, I think this is the closest time to the second player actually having an impact because yeah. it was always like WWE and someone else is trying to do something that's just not that great. I've heard enough buzz about AEW where it's legitimate. It's uh, it's it's the first time in a while where there's a product that's good other than WWE. So, you know, they should be proud of themselves. Yeah. So we can't do the Mount Rushmore thing because Mount Rushmore is racist now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We cannot so do it. We're going to just do a top five, and it's not – it's going to be the top five of Rich Davis's childhood. So I want, when you were a little kid, put yourself in that mindset. All right, so we're going to start off at number five. All right, number five is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Yes. The Honky Tonk Man. You got Peggy's two beside him, the colonel in the back coming to your town, and a pink Cadillac is the Honky Tonk Man. I love the Honky Tonk Man because he's an Elvis impersonator. He wasn't really in great shape. The wrestler, the Honky Tonk Man, in a, in a generation where guys were chiseled and oiled up, Honky Tonk Man had a dad bod, and he wore the outfit that worked best for him. I, I love the gimmick. I always favored the heels as a kid. I don't know why, because I'm, you know me, I'm a, I'm a cheesy, friendly guy. But for some reason, I thought, other than Hulk Hogan, I always thought the heels had the cooler gimmicks. Mm-hmm. And other than rooting for the Hulkster, you know, in a, in a big pay-per-view, you're going to notice my list for the most part is a lot of heels. So number five, Honky Tonk Man. So who do you got there for number four? My number four gives out the haircut known as the Baldo Ronaldo. Yes. Brutus the Barber Beefcake to me. I, You know what it was? Because when it comes to what I like about wrestling, I've always liked the gimmicks. I like the speeches. Mm-hmm. I like the ring entrances. I like the trash talking. What I like least, to be honest, is actually the in-ring action. If, if you told me, hey, watch Raw, I would fast forward through a lot of the middle of the matches, and I'd want to see the ring introductions. I'd want to see the interviews. I'd want to see the, the event center. I'd want to... So to me... Brutus Beefcake, even if it was a Saturday afternoon match versus a jobber or versus some nobody, you knew that it would end with him cutting someone's hair, and you knew that Brutus Beefcake wore some crazy, like totally absurd fishnet cut-up pants. Like he was a maniac. I love Brutus the Barber Beefcake. So the Barber is number four for me. Who do you got in there for number three? Uh, what I'd like to have right now is for all <laughs> you fat, out of shape. Punxsutawney peons to keep the noise down so I could show the ladies what a real sexy man looks like. Hit the music. Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, Not only the mustache. Not only the great mullet. He was ripped. He was the most ripped wrestler in that generation. Uh, He was fun to watch wrestle. He was a great bad guy. Him and Heenan together, they really Vince did a great job uh, teaming him up with uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I thought that was a great heel manager wrestling combo so i think ravishing rick rude was a great champion a great intercontinental champion i thought he was he really delivered i i think everything about him from his ring presence putting down the fans in every city i love how they would they would pan to the female fans because that's the thing back then he was a heel 
but the women fans did like him because he was oh, a yeah. good-looking, ripped guy. So I would love how they, they would pan to the women and they would like be like fainting in the crowd. <laughs> now, I have to be very clear about number two because it's not his whole career. It's a portion of his career because that's very important because when I tell you the portion, you're going to say, oh, yeah, because that was a very different time for him. And my number two is Jake the Snake Roberts. Nice. And I'll explain. I don't like good guy Jake the Snake with Damien in the bag where he's all happy, like, yeah, I'm Jake the Snake Roberts. I like Jake the Snake Roberts with the devil fire-looking pants, black, red, orange, the glove, and he would do, trust me, trust me. And he had the cobra. The cobra, remember that great gimmick where the cobra attached itself to Macho Man's arm? That was real too, man. Yo. Yeah. To me, Jake the Snake was way cooler as a bad guy than as a good guy. As a good guy, oh yeah, he uh, so you won. He won the match and he let the python crawl on, you know, the the the, the loser. When he was a bad guy, that cobra jumped out of a box at Macho Man and Elizabeth's wedding, if you remember. So like, I, I think Jake the Snake Roberts as a bad guy is my number two. Nice. Here we are at the main event. Who is your number one? Do I even my need number, to ask? <laughs> my number? Well, no, because it's not what you think. Because oh. I, I purposely left Hogan, Macho, because they weren't my favorites necessarily. They were the ones that I enjoyed watching. Because, you know, they brought the, you know, those are your main inventors. Those are your headliners. But yep. this is my personal list of who I actually personally liked. And number one on that list, it only makes sense. Because he's absolutely perfect. Wow. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. I, to this day, spit out my gum and slap it with my hand. I throw a towel expecting Bobby the Brain Heenan or Coach to catch it. I thought his gimmick was brilliant. I love the fact that back then, Vince never talked about who was undefeated, who never lost, who won. Mr. Perfect, they were very clear that he's never lost. And when we were kids, they never did that. Like, it was a weird thing. Like, I just remember at one point, the only time they had ever mentioned no one losing or winning was WrestleMania three when Andre and Hogan fought. They made it clear, even though obviously it wasn't true. They were like, no one's ever beat Andre. Untrue, because if you go back in the archives, obviously. But other than that, they never talked about win-loss records, but they made it very clear that Mr. Perfect was perfect. They did the gimmicks where he would play baseball with Wade Boggs. He was throwing footballs with Warren Moon. He was playing pool and darts. All the little gimmicks were so awesome, so perfect. Yeah. And it was uh, it was really, to me, the perfect plex was a great move. The the suplex where you hook the leg. I even thought his, uh, his tights were cool, even though they probably weren't. I was just a kid. I, I thought his like little straps and everything about Mr. Perfect I thought was cool. He was very Ric Flair-like when he got hit. He would bounce around, like, and, uh, you know, walk and then fall. Like, to me, Mr. Perfect was great. And I believe one of your favorites, the Ultimate Warrior, was the one that beat him finally, like, to break his perfect record. No, it was Brutus. Oh, was it Brutus? Yeah, Brutus, WrestleMania 6. Oh, look at that. Yep. Look at that. Mr. Perfect. I got to watch that one again. I I was going to say, I knew that. Oh, I know. It was... uh, it was the warrior that beat the honky tonk man. Yeah. That's who it was. That's who that it was. That was um, SummerSlam 88, I think. It was a that surprise was like, entrance. That was, 
Yeah, that's when he just ran in, beat the shit out of Honky Tonk Man, and won the belt. Yeah. There's Rich Davis's favorite wrestlers. And it's funny you mentioned Mr. Perfect because, you know, going back to, I think it was 2009. So I was flipping through Sirius. Um, I, was, I had enough of Howard Stern, and I went a few channels further. And I heard these two young-sounding guys. And I swear to God, the first thing that I heard you guys talk about was Mr. Perfect. And you had the music playing, and I stopped. And I was like, who the fuck are these guys, man? And I listened, I listened to the whole show and, um, from, you know, back then this is before on demand. So, yeah, you know, whenever, uh, whenever you guys were on the air, whether it was your show live or if it was the replay, I always had to catch you guys. And thank God when on demand came around, then I could listen to every single show. So, uh, uh, thanks a lot, man. I've been listening to you for since 2009, Rich. Uh, you guys are my favorite radio show. Everybody listening. If you're not a convenient rich fan, if you're just someone that listens to my show, check these guys out they also have a podcast yes it's once a week so rich davis is a fellow podcaster it's once a week yes yeah and hey who knows maybe sooner than later i think uh we may dive into that podcast world a little more so uh we'll let you know it's 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 part of the future of broadcasting so whether it's with sirius xm or other ventures podcasting yep so it's it's legit it's a, it's a great form of audio entertainment and uh thanks for having me man i appreciate yeah, it it's a real honor to have you on and um you know, other than the Kavina Rich show on SiriusXM and the podcast, we can also see you on ESPN. ESPN too, uh, now or never. Uh, before you know, within the month, we'll be back, we'll be back on TV every night on ESPN two. Within the month, uh, now that sports are up and running, sort of again. So, within the month. So, thanks, man. That's awesome. All right, that's the show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my special guest, Rich Davis. Please follow him at Rich Davis, at Cavino and Rich, and at Now or Never. Check out the Cavino and Rich show on SiriusXM if you have it. If you don't have it, you can listen to them on their podcast every week. It's free, the Cavino and Rich show podcast on every major podcast platform. And once again, please follow me on social media at Mike Durband on Twitter, at Mike Durban Show on Instagram. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Michael Durban. And please follow the Get My Go YouTube channel. Doesn't have a URL yet, just search Get My Go. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Live long and prosper.